It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. It used to be that if you wanted to interact with your favorite celebrity, you'd have to camp out near a red carpet in Hollywood, just lying in wait until you speedily got the chance to scream-ask Queen Bee for autographed amongst a gaggle of other fans. Well, in 2020, like everything else in this world, including our dating lives and our health, there's an app for paying celebrities to give you personalized shout-out videos. So I, I heard about a website called Cameo, and uh, so it lets you pay celebrities and they'll record whatever you want. Have you heard about this? But through a flaw in Cameo's website's design, a security researcher discovered that many of these personal videos were available to anyone, including those that had been set to private. Motherboard then wrote code to find the private videos en masse. Joseph Cox, our reporter of crime and sketchiness extraordinaire, broke the story and even got Gilbert Gottfried to verify it to us with a personalized message in that lovable voice of his. That's coming up right now on Cyber. So Joseph, in 2020, we not only have apps for everything, including dating and your health. Now we also have an app to get private messages to pay celebrities to give us private messages. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird new world, right? So there's this app called Cameo. And as you say, you go on to it and you pay anywhere from, I don't know, $5, $50, up to several thousand to get a personal shout out from Snoop Dogg or Ice-T or various other uh, celebrities. And I mean, they're not all A-list celebrities. as a very wide spectrum. <laughs> they definitely aren't because, full disclosure... I was asked to be on this site last year, and you know what? I didn't do it, because you know what I didn't want? I didn't want to make 20 bucks twice a year. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> That's the message you're going to get, and oh, I, I can't imagine doing that. It would be so strange. Like I don't know, if someone comes to you and they ask for a very sincere message, like, I don't know... Oh, uh, my my dad's going through a hard time. Could you speak to him? It's like, I don't know your dad. Like, this, is, this makes me feel really <laughs> but, awkward. But Joseph, you know... Jojo, I should say. Uh -huh. For a million dollars, I'll shake like a palm tree naked. Right, right. I mean, unfortunately, Cameo's prices seem don't seem to go up to that. No. Um, but just to add that, yes, you have these little messages that will record, the celebrity will record and then um, send to you over the service. Um, some of them are publicly available. You just go on to Ice-T's or whoever's uh, profile and you'll see some there that people have allowed to be private. But when you by the video, you can also select do not share this publicly on Cameo. And then in the settings uh, of the video, it actually has a, you know, private equals true uh, parameter. So some of these videos are supposed to be private. So they weren't supposed to be private. And you found out that some of these videos actually were public. Right, exactly. So those private ones... Uh, ostensibly private ones, we found that uh, when you would go into the website after a tip from a researcher, if you just go through some of the, uh, the website's operations and you look at what information is given when you view a review on Cameo, it uh, actually comes up with the order ID. And that's all that you need to then um, actually look up videos of people. So we wrote code very basically just to grind through that and take this totally publicly available uh, information and make a big list of all of the Snoop uh, Dogg videos or all of the Ice-T ones, including those that are supposed to be 
um, private. At least the users would probably expect they're supposed to be private because that's the setting they're literally clicking. And of course, like, I mean, we laugh about it, but maybe some of the messages are kind of private in that, you know, like you said, maybe it references a loved one who's sick or, you know, I don't know. It could be like, hey, like, I really like got into a big fight with my girlfriend, Snoop. Can you give her a shout out? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, it, there could be some things in there that you don't necessarily want, but it kind of went further, didn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, beyond the private videos things, the researcher also found uh, an issue where the Android version of the app had sort of a, a key hard-coded into it that would let anybody with that key then access the back end of Cameo. And in there was all sorts of um, user data, uh, training videos, and basically stuff that you're not supposed to be able to access. So that was more of a real um, security vulnerability, whereas the other one was more of a sort of privacy issue that Cameo did stand by. You know, when we went for comment, they did deal with the um, with the backend key issue. When it came to the videos, they were like, well, this is by design. This is how we want it. They want to be able to have their users easily share links between each other, which is fair enough. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to make it incredibly easy to then find apparently private videos. So when you brought this to them, did they patch it? Did they fix it? Yeah, I mean, the researcher went to them a little bit before contacting us, uh, but they hadn't received a response from Cameo, which I think is why they started um, to go to the press. Uh, and then Cameo did go through a process with the researcher to fix that uh, key issue. But again, when I brought up the issues of um, private videos, they defended it, uh, which of course, you know, this is up to them. This is their product, their company. They're of course allowed to do that. Uh, but it would be, a, you have to probably also point out that yes, you can make links very shareable between people. But again, that doesn't mean that you have to expose the information that would let you just look up those videos. You can you can do both. You know, you can have a very shareable link and also make it not easy for anybody with 15 minutes of code to find those videos, which, as you say, they may be private. There was a Snoop Dogg one which was marked as private that I viewed that was clearly somebody saying, hey, this person's down, can you try to cheer them up? And Snoop Dogg was saying things like, it's okay, it's going to get better. And that's one reason you may want a private video. Another one is that, I don't know, you've just paid two, three thousand dollars or something to a celebrity. Maybe you don't want anybody just yeah. being able to find yeah, it. Yeah, right? it's two thousand bucks I spent. <laughs> right, and then someone else is getting it for free. So there's almost like, well, there's the personal sensitivity intimacy of it, but also you're not really getting the product that you necessarily thought you were. I should also say that you guys did a very excellent trollish way to verify this. And I, I was privy to it just because I was sitting beside you and you, Emmanuel, and Jason were all chuckling like <laughs> little school toddlers. And I was leaning over, looking at something about Nazis, thought to myself, what's going on here? And then I saw how you did it. Yeah, we commissioned a video from the comedian um, Gilbert Goffrey. I, I really hope I got that right, because again, I'm a pop culture hermit. I don't know who 90% of the people on this app are. Hi, this is Gilbert Godfrey, and this is for Joseph. But we did that, so uh, Jason and Emmanuel commissioned the video. And it's being sent by Emmanuel. Set to private that they only they should know about, and then I was still able to view uh, the video without logging in or anything like that. Well, Joseph, you got a new job in cyber security. So it was just an extra demonstration of... Uh, the issue here when it comes to these private videos. 
and a pretty fun way of doing it. Cybersecurity, that's something right out of a science fiction. So I congratulate you. <laughs> it was, he's got a very distinctive voice. It's like, right. if you don't know who he is, you know his voice. Right, 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 exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because cybersecurity is becoming more and more relevant today. Uh, what with these apps and viruses and hackers, etc. So one of the other things that came out of this was some of these celebrities had their emails kind of leaked because of it. Yeah, so I didn't get all of the data from the back end of Cameo. Often we'll just get given what we need to verify or what the researcher is happy to provide. In this case, it was a sample, and that included some of the user data as well. But then there was one spreadsheet I got which appeared to include... Uh, the personal email address of Ice-T. And I verified this through a couple of ways. One just being that actually if you go through previous doxing lists, his email is actually in there. I was going to say, if you look at something like like the Sony hacks, when these celebrity emails get out, they've... I'm sure they have to quickly change them. Yeah, so there were a couple of ways to verify it and that was one of the ways we did it. I didn't see any more uh, celebrity emails, but in that spreadsheet there was also the alleged IP address of Ice-T as well, which, okay, it's not the most important piece of information in the world, but when you're dealing with celebrities who probably have stalkers, harassers, I don't know, people just trying to rob them, this sort of information could be pretty beneficial to that if you could find someone based on an IP address or something like that. I mean, absolutely. There's 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 millions of examples of this. Right. Not millions, but thousands, I'm sure. Right. This kind of information needs to be secure, but that's sort of what makes this story so I mean, so fascinating, kind of quirky, kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, no offense, it's a great story, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but the fact that it's sort of, it's emblematic of this sort of over-appification mm-hmm. of our lives. Like, we're paying for celebrities to say hi to us or whatever. We could do it at the push of a button. But then, you know, these... These apps, because of this over-appification, and we're getting a little too greedy, these apps are not always very secure. No, I mean, it's one of the most cobbled-together pieces of software I've ever seen. I mean, as Jason pointed out as we were looking around it, the Cameo privacy policy isn't on their website. It's just, like, hosted in a Google Doc, which I've just set to uh, public. <laughs> what? Um, the back end, at least, I don't know if this is still the case, but at least early on, judging by the videos that the researcher found and provided to us, the actual way that celebrities would upload the videos is just through Telegram to a bot. Because, you know, you can set up bots on Telegram to automatically do stuff. Yeah. Um, that was how celebrities were doing it. So it was all these cobbled together bits of a bit of Telegram bot here, a, a Google Docs privacy policy here, and then the actual app itself with a hard-coded credential that was in there for like two years. Hey, it, sandboxed. <laughs> it's clearly um, someone just went, this is a great idea for an app. Let's make an app. And exceptionally rushed. Uh, I would imagine. I, I should say that one of the co-founders is actually, I think, a previous co-founder um, of Vine. Really? So, which I, I never looked at Vine, so I, I couldn't say how it was security-wise, but I just thought that was interesting that, you know, people move from app to app, project to project, and this one was, yeah, pretty much done in the rush, it seems. I mean, it sounds like it's done on the cheap, too. Right, yeah. I mean, I have no idea how much... Um, they specifically paid, but I don't think they should have paid much if it was this sort of taped together by, you know, string and glue approach to um, app design. But as you say, when people 
want to have this increased appification of something, maybe they're just going to rush it out as quickly as possible. And you do want to get your product out quickly. You know, maybe somebody else would have thought of the let's pay celebrities $40 to speak. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't have thought of that idea, but maybe somebody else would have. You know? I wouldn't have thought of it. It's a good idea, though. <laughs> right. Well, you know, like well, they are making money, to be clear. like They get ten, yeah. tens of millions of dollars worth of investment. Um, so even if the app isn't for us, it's clearly for some people. And they've had hundreds of thousands of people um, actually buying videos on the app. So it's making some people happy. They just may not know what happens with the data or how secure it is. Well, Joseph, I'm really glad that I didn't sign up for this app because you would have seen all the sad, sad, you know, J level celebrity cameos I would have had to make. Right, right. And, uh, and then we... <laughs> the private ones, we wouldn't, Right. We wouldn't even have to commission a video. We would just, like, look up your ones and be like, oh, okay, story done. Publish it. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So uh, let's just really quickly talk about how I'm really scared of coronavirus. Can we not? <laughs> I'm ben, nervous. Okay, yeah. What? I'm nervous. What are you we'll nervous go, about? I'm nervous it's going to be like the movie Outbreak, man. I don't want to live in my apartment for a week. It's hard to know how scared of coronavirus to be because, like, as everyone says, the flu is a pandemic every single year. And I got the flu this year and it has a high death rate and it's scary. And everyone I know got the flu this year. And like coronavirus is spreading, which is bad, but also like how bad? Who knows? There's no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing. Did I'm you know the uh, the Reddit, the subreddit for coronavirus has been quarantined by Reddit, which is like unfortunate terminology that Reddit uses? That makes sense. Yeah. It's not like people like me to start, you know. Well, it's because the, it's basically like they try to limit its, uh, its exposure because... People uh, freak people, out. People freak out and yeah. people like uh, sow disinformation, conspiracy theories and shit. So, oh, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the cyber stuff then, I guess. What else matters? The ben, world's... you'll be okay. I know. I know. I and if be. you aren't okay, then, you know, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Uh, and you'll take over your long con for the for the, the hot seat, the cyber hot seat. <laughs> God, my dream. <laughs> um. Okay, let's let's get to this. First off, this is just a a very funny one. Uh, resident great reporter Sam Cole coming through with the Jeff Bezos feet weirdness. The headline is: Does Jeff Bezos have huge feet? Yeah. An investigation, <laughs> and quite literally, this is this is a really good piece of journalism. I'd encourage anyone uh, who hasn't read it to go read it. Sam Cole really went off the deep end here. 
And this sort of all started with a comedy show that I went to a couple weeks ago that featured Caroline Haskins. Um, it was like one of those comedy shows where you learn something. Um, so they had like... Nerd alert. Yeah, they had this host. And as part of it, it was a show all about Amazon. As part of it, the host talked to an Amazon reviewer who has the most reviews of all time. Like she's the highest ranked reviewer on Amazon. And maybe like 10 years ago, Amazon had this meetup where all the reviewers like flew in and Jeff Bezos was at this meetup because it was like, I don't know, early 2000s, late 90s. So he wasn't like Jeff Bezos, richest man in the world. He was just like Jeff Bezos, nerdy Amazon CEO trying to like, you know, laugh it up, laugh it up. And so he went around and met all these people. And this woman, uh, Joanna Daneman was her name. Uh, We have audio. We should play it said that the one thing she noticed when she met Jeff Bezos is that he was, quote, really tall and had huge feet. ...around the room at top speed made a very, some very interesting comments, which I really can't repeat because we did say we would keep the meeting confidential, but it was good. And I did notice he has really large feet. Wow. Okay, cool. Is he tall? Yeah, he seems to be tall. Um, which is a really like weird thing to notice about something. Also, Jeff Bezos is not tall. He's like five seven, which is. You I was know, gonna say he's not tall. Yeah, he's not tall. So I was seated at the time, so I, I'm tall, so I couldn't measure him against me. But he seemed tall. In any case, like she said this, and this really stuck out to me because I was like, I don't know, I've never heard of Jeff Bezos having like abnormally large feet. So Sam Cole does the investigation. Well, is it you, true? If you Google around, like there's no information, but there's like some really weird website that says that he has size fourteen feet which is like really huge feet. That's um, so Sam went to like, you know, investigate this and of course like Amazon wouldn't say anything. Zappos which owns uh, you know, which Jeff Bezos owns and is a shoe company wouldn't say anything, thought that maybe they'd know. And so we started doing some OSINT uh, which is open, open source, source investigation intelligence. Mm-hmm. intelligence, yeah, whatever, investigation technique. Int int intelligence, yes. And uh, we started looking through Getty images for photos of Jeff Bezos's feet. And there's like a few different ones. There's one of him aboard uh, David Geffen's like yacht. Um, there's also him on stages and shit. Yeah. But um, so there's him standing like on a yacht and there's like this little square on the yacht. So we tried to like measure that. We tried to talk to uh, the yacht's manufacturer to sort of determine how big that little piece of the yacht was. And you guys should have talked to me. I could have helped you with this. We tried. No, we got in touch and we were like, the the yacht manufacturer is like, for security reasons, we can't tell you. So Sam went like extremely off the deep end and we actually got Bellingcat involved. I was going to say, I mean, there's only one one other person you can really... Yeah, they're British and they're very famous for doing these really impressive and important geolocation investigations and other OSINT investigations. So they can take a photo and sort of determine where in the world it is. They're very famous for helping to locate uh, MH17, was it? One of the Malaysian Airlines flights that was downed. I think they also uh, helped or at least had something to say about the flight that Iran shot down very recently? They're, they've just become literally, and a lot of it has to come from the war in Ukraine, they are able to like strategically place people, photos, understand like when there's a when there's a, a shadow on a Google Maps image, you can match it to an actual like location. Like find terrorist bases they can, yeah, and I mean, stuff they, like they that. They found a massacre, uh, I believe in Sudan. 
Yeah. They, they're like, they do they're, really they're impressive amazing. stuff. They're so amazing. Yeah. Emmanuel, who's been on the show a few times, reached out to someone at Bellingcat and he found a Getty image where Jeff Bezos is standing on this little tile in front of a boat in Manhattan. So it was the opening of some cruise line that goes to Ellis Island, which is where the Statue of Liberty is. And it was some like red carpet event. And he's standing just like on the sidewalk. Ellis Island. It's a cruise ship. What is this? Yeah. Who who knows what it was? But it was a photo. And he's very clearly standing on this sidewalk block. And he said, if you can go there and you can measure how big this piece of concrete is. Wow. You will then be able to know how big Jeff Bezos' feet are. So we sent Sam out there with a uh, tape measure. Tape measure. Oh, yeah. Wow, it's really scientific. And a, yeah, with a tape measure. And she took a bunch of photos. The park rangers were there. I don't think they bothered her. But in any case, it's fun to imagine that maybe, you know, they were mad at her for being doing really suspicious things. And we were able to determine that Jeff Bezos' shoe size is somewhere between 11 and 12, I believe, or 10 and 11. That's not that big. Which is not that big. It's pretty normal. So... That was an important piece of journalism, and now we know. Well, I mean, I'm very happy that you broke the news. It also seems extremely ridiculous, and some people are like, oh my god, I can't believe you did this, it's so dumb. But we use those techniques in our other reporting all the time, and just doing something, like practicing like that, for something that is fun, Yep, this is fun, people, we're here to have fun on the internet, uh, leads to using that, you know, those reporting techniques on more uh important stories yeah i mean like honestly this type of stuff you do it a lot of uh, terrorism researchers use that kind of stuff because like a propaganda video comes out and you want to figure out where it was made right so it's there's a lot of this you know it's very good especially sometimes you got to figure out if uh jeff bezos has massive feet all right so another another pretty funny one i'd say it's got a serious undertone but i think it was hilarious peloton uh known for its amazing ad where a husband uh, gifts his wife a uh, exercise bike so she can get in shape for him. Okay, you ready? Yes. Now. <gasps> a Peloton? <laughs> Which is problematic to say the least. It caught a lot of Peloton shit Peloton lady. Peloton lady became a meme. Um, and we did some really funny reporting on that as well. Yeah. And I believe this was a collaboration story, didn't we? Yeah, it was Joseph Cox and Katie Way, who is on the Life Desk here, who wrote some of those early uh, Peloton Lady stories. So this is a really one of those weird ones where you go down the rabbit hole, and I'll try to keep it short because I could talk about this for a while, and I know, you know, you're commuting, you have things to do, you don't want to listen to me talk to you all day, although maybe you do. Uh, so Peloton sued Flywheel, which is a competitor... Uh, Flywheel is, it has its own spin studios, but they launched something called Flywheel at Home, which is like an at-home bike in which it's basically the same thing as Peloton. You like spin at your house and you compete against other people on the internet and they sued them for patent infringement. And during the course of this patent lawsuit, it turned out that Flywheel had something called Project Magnum, which was an internal spy operation essentially to steal Peloton's technology and like gain quote as much confidential information as we can from Peloton. Uh, Corporate espionage, man. Yes. We learned about this because we went into Pacer. We, well, so we learned about this because Flywheel shut down its service because it settled the case. It lost it. And as a result, all of its 
flywheel bikes were going to brick. They were just going to stop working, which is kind of an e-waste issue. It's like, why did this happen sort of thing? It's very weird because the bikes cost $2,000, so it was very sketchy. Uh, so we dug into it and found it was a result of the, losing this lawsuit. And we dug into the court documents and there was an improperly redacted court document. So there was redactions, but they weren't done properly. So if you put your mouse over it and like highlighted the text, you could see what it said. And when you did that, we learned about Project Magnum. Uh, you could read all of it if you like copy pasted it over into a text edit file. And we also learned that there's just like this long history of Peloton and Flywheel being friends back in the day. Uh, Peloton's founder wanted to partner with Flywheel back in 2011 or something like this. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, them having babies. And I mean, one of them had just had a baby and they're okay, like, oh, that's hope too the, much baby. Like, hope the baby's yeah. like doing well and all this stuff. Uh, but there are also emails from Peloton's founder being sent to Flywheel's founder being like, well, we're developing this at-home bike. I really hope you don't steal this idea from us. And then it turns out that maybe they did since they lost the case. So anyways, it was a very like fun, weird thing in the startup uh, world of e-bikes. World of e-bikes <laughs> and fitness startups, which are all kind of bro-y and weird. So fun I story. mean, Silicon Valley is pretty bro-y, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, this, this story I loved. I loved this story. It kind of, and I, you know what, Jason, I thought of you. It did. I don't know what story you're talking about. Which I'm talking one? about how the CIA won't admit that it's using Slack. Yeah. Um, but I thought of you because you were around back in the day, far back in the game. We're talking six years, the 2014 levels, where like all of the intelligence agencies were getting social media accounts. Oh, and we would yes, do stories yes. being like the CIA has a Twitter account or right. like the NSA has got a Twitter account. This is how stupid it is. But now they're even using... This is another thing I like to call spies. They're like us. <laughs> They're using Slack, which you, is it's super insecure, man. Yeah, so Tim Marchman, former editor-in-chief of Deadspin, current features editor of Vice.com, he works on a lot of stories with us, is really into using the Freedom of Information Act. So he FOIA'd a bunch of government agencies to see if they had contracts with Slack, and it turns out that a lot of them do. So the NSA told us that it uses Slack. Um, it wouldn't give us documents, but said that it had them. Uh, the General Services Administration, which is, it's called the GSA. They do like a bunch of weird technology things. They manage the uh, government's real estate all over the country. They do just like a bunch of random shit. They do procurement. They sent us a list of all of their Slack channels, uh, as well as the contracts and stuff like that. So we learned that they have a bunch of boring sounding Slack channels, but then they also have things like fart jokes, like hashtag fart jokes, hashtag, uh, I think something about like video games, something about, you know, running marathons. So oh, just man. normal stuff. So like, we don't have the a fart jokes. Slack. We don't, but we do have like, we have, I think there's a, you know, fitness one probably for people who like to work out. <sighs> you are not in it because, you know, obvious reasons. <laughs> Did you just take a shot at me not working out? Tried to. I, I just got body shamed. This is a, just a joke. Just a joke. Um, can't take a joke here on cyber, on the cyber. You know what I'm like. Yeah. So in any case, it's like spies, feds, they're just like us. But then the CIA glomarred us, which is we'll neither confirm nor deny 
whether it has any records about Slack. I love the Glomard shit. Yeah, so it's, al- it's always just like, okay, so you just confirmed it. Like I know. It's like they definitely have Slack. And Slack is not end-to-end encrypted, so it's like one day, you know. Unless they've got some super schmancy Slack. Yeah, possibly. And also could possibly, be a real thing. I'm sure the CIA, this is a joke Tim made, but the CIA probably has rooms like hashtag, you know, uh, psyops, hashtag alien disclosure. <laughs> So hashtag the contrast wasn't us. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Let's end on a, a quick one, real quick. So two um, two copyright lawyers slash musicians programmed an algorithm to well, like write every melody that's possible. By the way, why did I think of Napster when this came, when I heard read this? It has nothing to do with it. Eh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know, know what happens in your brain. Yeah. But there's been a, b- a bunch of copyright lawsuits in which, you know, artists will say that someone stole their riff or stole their sample or whatever and didn't give credit. So these copyright lawyers wrote an algorithm to essentially write like billions of pieces of music and put them onto a really big hard drive and then release them to the public under a Creative Commons Zero license, which is like, you can use this for any purposes whatsoever. And it's basically like... It, it it's claiming to create like every possible melody ever, right? Yeah, and they say that they're doing this via. I don't know very much about music, but apparently, like they're so using other, every scale and they're using every like. So other musicians can't essentially sue for like copyright infringement constantly. Yeah, I think what they're saying is like you know, music is something that, of course, it borrows and shares from previous things that happened, and so if we can make everything that ever. Ex- existed or could exist yeah as like determined by the laws of physics then and and then we release them to the public for free to use then no one will ever get sued again for copyright infringement which uh, I, lo- I love this i love it it's awesome it's like a very punk thing to do whether it actually works is to be seen like you know they did make this and they did release it. But it's gonna have to get challenged in court. It'll get challenged in court. So yeah. I mean, it's it's a stunt. If and we'll it see, gets challenged in court, yeah, and we'll see what happens. But it's like a really cool project. So yeah, go it check is. That it's out. metal as hell. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that wraps it up. We are done. Bye, Jason. See ya. This week's episode was recorded by Andrew Bursick, edited by my boy Kato, and produced slash hosted by me, Ben Maku. Catch you next week. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. This is uh this is the dream, you know, you're just talent, you walk in, you talk, you leave. You are the dream. This f- everyone else does your job for you, you know. You are the dream. <laughs>